0: Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by a partnership with Kairos Partnerships. Uh, Hi, I'm Doug Moister. I'm one of the co-hosts along with Jr. Briggs, and Jr. is out today, so I have the great opportunity and just the honor of interviewing Dr. Mary Kate Morse um, just for a a beautiful 45 minutes. Um, My friends, you are in for an incredible, incredible journey um, with one of my favorite people in the world. Um Mary Kate Morse uh, she's the dean of Portland Seminary and she's the lead mentor for the leadership and spiritual formation Dmin track which is a track that I am currently finishing up my dissertation for um, as lead mentor she designs the content for all four semesters she leads all four face-to-face retreats and facilitates the online learning experience um, she began her ministry living in the Andes mountains of Bolivia and Peru doing evangelism she has planted churches she has uh, written books. She has a Master's of Divinity with Western Evangelical Seminary, and she is a doctorate from Gonzaga University. Uh, beyond all that, she is one of the coolest people that I've ever met. She has a heart for Jesus. She loves people. She loves pouring into leaders. And she has been such a gift to Missy Alliance and to every single program and every single organization that she's ever been a part of. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with my friend, Dr. Mary Kate Morse. Kate, it is so good to be with you. I've really enjoyed just catching up with you over the last few minutes.
1: I really appreciate being with you, Doug, and being a part of this effort to encourage pastors and leaders in the church.
0: Yeah, I, I, I love how, I mean, even just in the conversation before we got to talk about artwork and we got to talk about Portland and fires and, and also cameras moving in different directions and the beauty of what God has been doing, even in the midst of what we may see coming out of the news, uh, the news feeds. But so Mary Kate, you have, looking at your bio is kind of like reading through this beautiful tapestry of all these different threads and colors. And I think about, you know, being in South America as an evangelist, church planting, uh, you know, uh, uh, achieving a PhD writing some amazing books and and even newly appointed dean of Portland Seminary which Portland Seminary did a great job doing that. I'm so glad that that's where I have attended and um but yeah and you're a spiritual director and you've poured into leaders for years and years and years. So um mm-hmm. some people maybe may, maybe this is the first time interacting with you even through a podcast. Good. So could you tell us some of the highlights of your journey?
1: Oh what a great question. What are the highlights of my journey? I, first of all, I would have never imagined as a young girl trying to dream of a future that I would end up where I am. and even along the way, there were just very uh, there were there are points of time that were disappointing because what I thought I would do didn't happen. and yet where I ended up was certainly evidence of the God's watchfulness over me and So my highlights would include um, being called as a young girl. uh, I was only maybe nine years old, barely 10, and I clearly heard God's voice call and tell me that I would serve God one day. And I uh, attended church, but not really, um, didn't really live in that world too much. I'm a child and I have a very broken family. Eventually my mother left. uh, with us with our dad and our there were five of us and uh and i began this long life searching for something that made meaning to my life but also saw me for who i was this lost child this lost little girl without a mother trying to figure life out and having lots of very challenging difficult experiences um But I got saved in uh, college um, by my uh, Southern Baptist brothers and sisters who uh, helped me claim Christ. And at that point, the call came back really clearly to me and I understood my life path. And um, I ended up uh, serving in the Andes Mountains, like you said, and that was, what I believed was the fulfillment of God's dream on my life. I I absolutely loved living at twelve thousand five hundred feet and working with the uh, people, the Aymara, who had been living in that area for thousands of years and uh, their culture uh, preserved and just wonderful, wonderful people. But I ended up back in the states. Ended up wanting to continue my education and the Lord. Uh, I, tr- I got accepted into different things, and the Lord very clearly told me to go to seminary, which didn't make much sense. Um, so I went to seminary, and I thought, "Well, I'll be a counselor." And I love—I've—I love counselors. I've used counselors a lot in my life. But I sat in that class, and I thought, "This is not me." <laughs> I sat in a biblical studies class and was transformed. Wow. I thought, "Oh my word." I love this. And so I became, I graduated with a master's in biblical studies. And that was for me a a huge highlight because I, I I felt, I felt that God was resourcing me and and, and teaching me how to be what I felt called to be was then a pastor, but couldn't get a church because of my gender at the time. Uh, So later on, I just kept teaching. They invited me to stay. They took a risk on me. It's so (laughs) funny. You know, I'm this young woman, three little kids, teaching at a seminary, and now I'm their dean. (laughs) Been there for 30
2: years. Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I got to shape the spiritual formation curriculum for the seminary and then was involved with uh, the online learning community kind of thing and creating the Doctor of Ministry and Leadership and Formation. But then the Lord told me, I I got, I did my PhD in leadership and what I was really, really interested in, I always loved the church and I always loved pastors. Anyone who feels called to serve on behalf of Christ. So you can have the role of pastor, but you can feel in your heart, the heart of a pastor. Mm. And so whether you're a spiritual director or lay leader or even working in the business world but in your heart there's this desire to be make a difference for other people's lives mm. um so um that, that so my, even in my in my doctorate I studied well how did Jesus do it you know how was Jesus a leader and how did Jesus keep um Keep uh, himself going, the formational path of Jesus, and, and how was his leadership distinct from the other leaders of the time? I learned so much. And when I finished that, the Lord said, Mary Kate, now's the time, go plant a church. Mm. And so I continued to teach in order to um, pay the bills. <laughs> you
0: know. Wait, no, you mean you 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 mean you did church plant with like a couple million dollars in the no, back pocket? I
1: had like no money. <laughs> but I I church planted with two other guys, and one of them, uh, you know, they, we got a grant from uh, uh, the ELCA for their for their cell for one of their salaries. So, um, and so the three of us planted a great church, and I had the best time. I loved 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 it, and uh, that would I would call a highlight. Uh, where I really understood deep in my bones what it means to pastor a church, I understood it—the disappointments and the joys and the challenges and the unknowns—and it was it was a highlight of my life. Then I went on and uh, left that one because I wanted to try a different kind of church, and so that was a that was. Um, uh, Uh, A community, one of these big churches, well, no, I'm not going to say it was a big church. Um, It was designed to attract the professional uh, tech people that were not coming to Christ. But I wanted to uh, also know what it was like to plant a neighborhood church. So then the second church plant was like a neighborhood church. And then after that, I was writing and speaking, and it was just not possible to toggle my teaching which I kept doing and my writing and out my work with other pastors nationally and internationally and, and taking care of this little church. So I raised up and mentored leaders into positions and left the church with them. And now I'm full time, you know, at the seminary. So that kind of more, the yeah, the high level uh, story of my life.
0: Yeah. Well, I I think what I appreciate about listening to your story is also having the gift of like watching you come alive as you tell it. Um, but I just love you. You made a comment. You said I I, I knew what it was in my bones, and uh, to to pastor and the disappointments and could you say a little bit more about that? Just in terms of even thinking about the way pastors are struggling with COVID and with all the stuff that's happening. Um, yeah, I mean. You understand it from a perspective because not only have you, you've pastored, but you've also spent a lot of time with leaders. So yeah, I mean, what does that look like? What does, what does it look like for, for someone, even just thinking who's sitting there listening to this podcast saying, yeah, like I, you know, man, I feel this in my bones in this season. Um, Yeah. Speak to some of the disappointment.
1: Well, anyone. Uh, all of us who have tried to make a difference for Christ in an intentional way, either in a role like pastoring or or as a volunteer role. uh, We know there's the dream and then there's this then there's the reality. Hmm. (laughs) There's the Garden of Eden and then there's the the downtown (laughs) place. Yes. Uh, so I think when God calls us into ministry, there's this just grand, high, glorious aspiration to be the to be that beautiful bride of Christ. Uh, Walking into the church and uh, walking down the aisle and her radiance and her glory is evident to all and this union is evident to all. Uh, That's that's the aspiration. But we know that um the challenges of the of ministry are extremely difficult today. Pastors are not as respected, and I think sometimes for good reason because of the national uh, scale. It's some, uh, some of the falls of the bigger pastors. Um, they they don't see much value in the church uh, in today's culture. So you have to struggle with even does this matter? Um, people uh, we're raised we're in a very we're immersed. I wouldn't say raised. We're immersed in a very commercialized. Individualized uh, uh, society, and so we we want to we we translate that into church and want from church something that's going to be good for me mm. and me in particular. Well, the bride of Christ is, is meant to bring us around into a community, so it's messy. You don't always get your way. You know, you have to grow, and for a pastor to try to inspire people to that deeper journey that deeper life and community uh it, it's really tough today mm. um, all the distractions which everyone is aware of the polarization of our culture so even now at another whole scale i'm as i talk to pastors of various kinds and types of churches the polarization in our political world uh, between the the democrats and the republicans has divided is dividing churches
2: Mm.
1: and people are leaving church because you're not Republican enough, or you're not Democrat enough, or you're not voting for this, which is like crazy. When was the church ever a political platform? Mm. When did Christ ever say you got to be for Rome or against Rome? I mean, (laughs) that was never the conversation. So pastors are even dealing with this extra level of disruption the polarization of our deepest held values. Mm. How do you help people be the church in times like that? So I I just have the most profound respect and love for people who try to lead the church or support the church, or resource the church, and I mean the church broadly, people who are trying to follow Christ and do the right thing in our communities. Mm. So it's, it's just tough. I, I, you know,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, I I think, I feel like you really are able to put because of the place where you get to sit, you're able to see a broader perspective. And I think even to look not just locally where you are, but in the U S and even globally, globally, it, it really gives you quite that perspective to speak into this with, um, with that with authority. And I, I feel like even for pastors who who are hearing this, nodding their heads saying, Yeah, that that polarization is such a real experience. One of the things that I've appreciated about what so much of your life has been, even as you were telling your story, is you've poured yourself into leaders and pastors for many, many years now through books, through teaching, through leading in in the areas that you lead. Um, and I, I love that you're noticing. What's going on in the soul of the pastor in this season and and I think it was in some way a little bit of uh providential god's providence, but uh, you know I, I know you had a really unique relation with, with um with Leighton, and there's such uh a beauty about the way that he looked at his life in terms of mentoring and companionship and you 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 put out a fantastic book back in May that I think couldn't have come at a better time mm-hmm. um you know, lifelong leadership woven together through mentoring communities. Can you talk to us a bit about how you see that as this framework for pastors moving in health?
1: Oh, thank you. Yes. uh, Layton Ford, um, it was my mentor and, uh, and I didn't choose him. He chose me, which is, so I've tried to follow his path and, and choose, uh, but he's become a dear friend. And, and what he discovered, which I thought was such a unique insight because he does two spiritual direction and meets one-on-one with people and does spiritual retreats for for pastors and leaders. But what he discovered is that if you bring people together into community, you can, you can exponentially uh, provide for them uh, a a place where, um, and he, And and there's three things where you have uh, safe people, safe places, and safe times.
0: Can you say that one more time? That was profound.
1: Yes, that we that you can provide in these mentoring communities, safe people, safe places, and safe times, in order to uh, lead more like Jesus and for Jesus and to Jesus. So that's that's our little phrase. Mm. But let me. Back up a little doug and and i I mean what what I discovered because i I tra- traveled extensively internationally for a period of time. And what I discovered, and I was doing workshops around things um, primarily about mentoring communities, is that no matter where I went, um, or whom I talked to, leaders, what women, men, old, young, uh, they could be very poor, hardly any resources, or maybe in a more thriving environment where they had a lot. They were all hungry for the same thing. They were all hungry for the same thing. All of them felt extremely isolated and yearned for someone to, uh, what we would probably term mentor them. In other words, someone that would would see them, love them, come alongside them, and pray for them who was a little further down the road.
2: Hmm.
1: It was a little further down the road, and uh, so this became uh, like, wow, this is a, a a really great way to do this uh, because it doesn't cost very much. Uh, you can you can put a lot of people together in a group. Well, not the groups are small, but one-on-one mentoring takes a lot of time. But if you had a small group um you could create that safe place for people leaders to sort of tell their story they're they're like you try to do their real transparent ordinary everyday story mm-hmm. and ask to be encouraged loved and supported in that prayed for and also held accountable and play and eat mm-hmm and have hilarious times where you're, you're not on deck. You don't have to be the parent. You don't Mm. have to solve a problem. You just show up and be yourself Mm. and everywhere. People were hungry for this. They felt so isolated, alone. Um, So spiritual directors then become an important resource in the, in the United States. We have more of them than they do in other places where you have that one-on-one, but to actually sit in a group with four or five or six or seven others who are pastors like you or evangelists like you, and they're telling their stories and you're telling yours and you're praying for each other, and then you have this senior leader. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe just you know a few years down the road, just kind of holding you all together like little chicks, you know, like mother. <laughs> that's how I think of myself, you know, the little chicks. <laughs> ah, there's, there's just something holy about that, and very very sacred. Mm. And we make we make the life of ministry often about our production, and not about of our what I call soul soul making, that
2: mm.
1: that spiritual. Care and journey that roots us in Christ and not in the world. Roots us in Christ and not in the world.
0: And man, well, so if I could just interject for a moment, I I think I really appreciate the thread that I'm hearing too of, you know, the we're really forced into thinking about more of a me-centric world. We're immersed, I think, is the word that you used, and so. Even this idea of a mentoring community pulls us outside of a me, and it brings us into into a space where we recognize that we're we're not alone. So in some ways, it's like kind of really simple, but also really brilliant because it's it's uh, discipling us not just in word but by action as well.
1: Absolutely, and and it's once and when you experience it, then you can recreate it for you can create a group for yourself. Uh, that you want to mentor or do it in the church Mm. Uh, we make it we make it too hard and too complicated and what people need to do is to be together to tell their stories listen deeply which we Mm. don't do very well either so so I have Mm. to write a book about how to listen deeply (laughs) all all it means is stop talking (laughs) don't say anything for 15 minutes or 20 minutes and let this person tell their story Mm. And at the end of that story, stop talking. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Mm. Just sit with that story. Hold it before God. Listen to the Holy Spirit. And then stop talking. <laughs> and just speak the thing that you heard from the Spirit.
2: Mm.
1: Which is maybe a scripture or a prayer and then you pray for each other but what happens often when we get together and talk we give advice we say oh well that happened to me mm. or oh, this is what you should do have you read this book uh so the story never gets out it never gets fully blossomed mm. it, it just gets you know the surface well i'm struggling with this and next thing you know oh wow i had that and we we disrupt each we disrupt the gentle uh movement of the spirit in trying to birth a full story. Mm. And when we, so in these mentoring communities, you bear witness to the dark and the light in everybody's full story. And then you listen for the spirit to bring some spiritual word to it rather than, and then later around dinner when you're eating your, your pot roast or spaghetti or whatever, whatever, Then you can talk and say, hey, you know, you said blah, 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 this happened to me too. And you can exchange ideas, but it's, it's on the bedrock of the spirit's movement rather than staying up here on the surface.
0: So I want to put you on the spot, Mary Kate, um, you, you know, you've talked about the power of, uh, you know, just being able to bear witness to a story, how that transforms the person. Can you share a story? Obviously no names, but a story where you've seen this transformation take place in a leader.
1: I can, I'm, I'm going through a, a rolling. <laughs>
0: <up>. <laughs> I figured you were
1: the the thing the thing that we do for each other when we're in these communities for the long haul is we remember each other's stories. And, um, so recently I was talking to a pastor of a church, uh, you know, fairly large church. And he was, he was struggling with what God might be calling him to in the next phase of his life. And, um, and, and, he, and I think you know we're just all worn down, Doug. Mm-hmm. And I and I think just being able to sit with someone and acknowledge the fact that they're worn down. So he he was he was doing that, and um, he was he was sharing this discernment process that he was in. Now I'm filtering myself so much I don't know if I can even tell the story. <laughs> because this is actually these are sacred confidential places Mm. i will just say this i have been walking with this pastor now for five years Mm. six years and this pastor is part of a group uh, a mentoring group who knows his story and there were certain things he said that triggered memory of his story And I could ask him a question and did ask him a question. And I said, "Uh, Alfred, I'm just making a name. I love that. (laughs) Alfred, I remember you said once that this, and do you suppose perhaps that what you're really struggling with is And it was his identity around his father. He had father issues. And I says, what you're really struggling with is this. And, you know, it's just a simple conversation. But it, I mean, you could just see him because we were in Zoom. You know, he just shifted around and and things fell into place. Mm. I personally, I have been transformed in a mentoring community. And I'm the mentor. Mm. Maybe that's a better story to tell. I was with my community a couple of years ago. We meet every year for a week at the beach. And, uh, so, and I came, I was just grousing my time to tell a story. And I, I, I was so frustrated and I was going on and on and on. And, and I had reason to be frustrated. Um, and I felt stuck. And I, I was saying, well, this is happening and that is happening and this and that and the other thing, and I don't know what to do, and I don't know where to go. And um, and they prayed for me. But then the next uh morning when we got up for prayer, they came. I have, well, it won't make any difference, you can't see it, but I'll show you, Doug.
0: Yes, please.
1: This is a little rice teacup from China. Yep, says made in China on the bottom. (laughs) And they said, they said, they they picked the cup up and they said, Mary Kate, do you see this cup? You're living in this cup. Throw it into the sea. Mm -hmm. In other words, I was making my whole life about here. And that God had this calling for me out here. And all my bucket stuff was in the cup. And they said, Mary Kate, we want you to take this cup and throw it into the sea. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: That just, it shifted me completely because I realized that I've been stuck in this place and could no longer see the spirit of God, what God was doing or what God was calling me to. So that's an example of how I needed my people who I've been, we've been together for uh, 12 years this year, uh, who know my story, could say something like that to me. And yeah. now I, I take it with me. When I go into difficult meetings, I take my cup in. Not now, because I'm the dean, that looked like <laughs> But before, I would put my cup on the table, hold my cup. My world is bigger than this cup.
0: (laughs) Mm. Wow. Yeah. That is profound. And I I love that safe people, safe places and safe time. And to be transformed in those beautifully vulnerable spaces. But it really is about being known. And it feels like one of the greatest gifts that uh, you just thinking about the book is is. This idea of of offering spaces to really be known, yes, and I get the sense that many pastors and leaders have this uh, this space where they they long to be known, but they're not sure who they can trust that story with.
2: Exactly. It,
1: exactly.
0: And so I feel like even in even in that, it's just such a gift. As we've been doing Monday morning pastor for a few years now, we the majority of what we hear is pastors saying, I feel lonely. You know, same words mm-hmm. you used. I feel lonely, I feel isolated, I feel exhausted, I feel overwhelmed. Um, and we hear a lot of pastors longing for mentors, can compa- just even friends. Like um, <laughs> I've heard I, JR said this before, and I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher the statement, but something like the you know Jesus's biggest miracle was that a man in his mid 30s had 12 close friends, and I thought that was <laughs> like just such, brilliant. A, <laughs> such a true statement. But so even just thinking, you know, let's say there's let's say there's um, well, even you brought up the, the gender issue. Let's say there's there's a woman who just received a call to pastor a church. And there's probably a whole different set of circumstances running through her mind than some of my male friends and myself included. And my guess is that sense of being alone may even be heightened because of the gender. Exactly. How would you want to encourage um, a, a woman pastor in that? Mm.
1: Oh, that—that's true. It—it—it it, it brings extra level of challenges because. Oftentimes the woman is the, perhaps the only woman in a group and um, she has to work extra hard to um, be accepted because not everybody fully believes in it or has never seen it. So doesn't trust it. Uh, so having a mentoring community for women pastors would be um an amazing opportunity for women to, to not, not just to complain because you need to, you need to, you need to speak the truth of your struggles. And so not, so I don't like the word complain. Mm. You need to be able to speak the truth of your struggles, but you can't stay there. Mm. Uh, it will, it will, and, it, and this is true of anybody. If you just stay in the truth of your struggles without a door opening with the spirit for the way forward, you never get to dream. And in, in order to dream, you need a safe place to bear witness to the truth of your struggles. Have people that nod their heads and bear witness to it. Mm-hmm. Pray for you and then believe that you can open that door and there will be a dream. There mm-hmm. is a dream that God has for you. So any any group like that that feels marginalized because of the kind of community that they're in, uh, I hear this from evangelists, actually, because churches don't know what to do with evangelists (laughs) or don't even respect them sometimes too much. Mm -hmm. And also they're, yeah, that that they they need groups of people, a group of persons around them who they know they can be themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oftentimes in a denomination or a church, you can't you you cannot just say whatever's going on inside of you. Mm -hmm. It's not good stewardship
2: mm.
1: you you are the pastor or you are the uh, you you do have to be the adult, the parent um, so to have people completely outside of your your circle then creates a really safe place for you to be yourself, highly confidential and the safe times means that you you make time like we go away for. Uh, five days um, where all we do is uh, listen to each other's stories, pray, play, and eat.
0: <laughs> that sounds it <that> sounds awesome. <laughs> it
1: is awesome. There's no work, there's no, you know, eating, uh, and you just get and after a while, you know, you just you get to pick up people's story from where they were before. And uh, you get to hear these you know, you get, you, you're you walking with people through life and it's, it's wonderful. Mm. So the times are an important part of that formula. It's not, it, it has to matter enough that you're willing to go, you're willing to put the time to it,
2: mm.
1: either like once a month or, but the best is to be able to go away on retreat. Cause you know what it's like, you have to shed every. And if you try to do it at home, you know, the door, you know, people are trying to get your attention.
0: Well, and that's, I mean, that's honestly what drew me to Portland Seminary was the fact that I had, you know, unhurried time yes. for for three years. That was just a space for me to be able to take everything off, be present, drink really good coffee, have lingering conversations into the night, enjoy yeah. time you know make friends and just i mean i i can i can remember i was i was as i was prepping for this conversation i was thinking back to uh one of the first times i met you, you 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 basically kicked kicked us out with luke 5 1 through 12 and those verses have been my sanctuary when i feel lost i come back to that place and it i go right to the sleepy monk where where i felt like i was peter s- sitting there and um or I was the like this this disciple who was maybe next to Peter and Jesus just kept walking by me. But it's like watching him stop and gaze at me. It was like this amazing transformational experience. And I can close my eyes and go back, but you created this like safe time I to really be present with just what God was doing of being known, being known by God and being known by others. And like, I think that that's for me, it's like, that's my hope. I, I really do believe with the amount of exhaustion that I'm noticing in my pastor friends, and that you're noticing around the globe, it's like maybe this is that season where pastors can really just press in and recognize how known and loved they are as they are, exactly. and yet, but, but God brings us into like places. He doesn't leave us there, you know. He's not just like, "I love you so much." He's like, "Come on, like we're gonna see new life spring out. We're gonna throw this cup into the into the ocean and be reminded that it's a lot bigger. It's a lot, lot bigger." Um, so I have just a couple more questions because i I really just want to hear like how how are how are you all doing in this season? I mean, as the dean of a seminary and even just as a person, like how have you been handling all the stuff that's been going on and staying healthy?
1: well, i I'll tell you a couple of stories um, and And I think it illustrates for me. Um, what's happened um, the other day, I, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was with my husband. And we were making breakfast in the kitchen and a, a spotted toki flew into our kitchen window. <laughs> this is a beautiful bird with little red eyes and and black and, 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 and spots, brown spots. And it knocked it senseless. And it fell to the ground on the patio outside. I ran outside. I thought, oh my gosh, you know, and there he was. He was just like all dazed, and you could tell he didn't know what had hit, had hit him. And I knew it was a ham because of the coloring. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and and so I sat down on the on the on a patio step, and he was only like like four feet away, so it's really close. He was so stunned, he didn't notice that I was there, mm. and I started talking to him. And, you know, I started telling him, I said, you know, you know, little guy, you're going to be OK because we have Cooper Hawks and owls. I didn't want them to sweep in and take them away for breakfast because he was confused. So <laughs> I'm sitting there watching over him and talking to him and, you know, waiting for him to to recover. And and then I, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know what? I am that spotted toki. I feel like I've. Uh, hit you know, a window, and I'm on the ground dazed and stunned because so much is happening, it's hard to take it all in and process it, trying to find my my sense of of self and a navigation and all that sort of thing. and and God is is sitting right there watching over me. Mm. And I'm not even aware of it. You know, that, that little bird didn't know I was there. And yet here God was watching over me and I was going to be okay. Mm. And so I think of that little spotted toki when I start to feel like, Oh my gosh, I can't do one more day of this (laughs) too much. I think, Oh, I'm a little spotted toki and God is watching over me. And so that's, you know, that really has helped me a lot thinking of that little bird and, God's presence. And so I don't know, do you want another story? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I'll take stories all day long. These are okay. great.
1: <laughs> okay, so, so, they, so I know that God, so that, I think, it, I felt like the God, the Spirit spoke to me and said, Mary Kay, you're going to be fine. I'm watching over you. So I carry that little spot of Tohi and that message from, from God, that, that turn on the story was from the Spirit. So another, another time I'm I'm walking um, uh, in the early morning, we get up and walk a long time. And I would really recommend this when you're isolated in your house, get out and walk and let the world heal your soul mm. and reorient you. And I have found that's been the thing that has saved me the most. And I have seen the most amazing little simple things that have been God's word to me. So a second a second story, then, and related to that, I'm all, I'm, we're out walking, and we walk by this huge conifer, which it, it's it, it's so dense you can't see in it at all. It's just this very tall evergreen, this conifer, and I heard this like a a a, a and then a bark, and I, I'm looking around and trying to think about, well, what is that? You know, so we're stopping to watch. And then all these crows start gathering and they're cawing and cawing and making a bunch of noise, and more crows are gathering. So, crows are, are very communal, mm. they're very social. And um, they watch out for each other. And they come together and watch out for each other. So, when they start cawing that way, then they start coming. And I'm thinking, what is in that tree? <laughs> and then out of the tree, you know, this sort of big rush of flap of wings comes this giant barn owl. And oh, the barn wow. owl just takes off out of the tree and goes flying off. And all the crows are going, <laughs> following this barn owl. And, um, and I said, Randy, why were the crows so upset with that, with that barn owl? Because they didn't have young. It's too, it's too late to have this. And he said, Mm -hmm. because what a crow does is a crow will go into the tree at night when they're asleep and kill four or five adults before they've even been able to alert each other. Wow. And so I thought of that, you know, in in the conifer, the barn owl is the hidden thing. that's trying to destroy us, Mm. you know, our our uh, discouragement, the 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 pandemic, the evil, that there's all these things that are sort of, we can't really put our mind around it, but it's it's trying to pick us off mm. one by one. And the only thing that's going to really um, spare us, save us, besides God watching over us, like the spotted tobee, is each other, mm. each other. We have to, in times like this, more than any, we really have to pull together. We have to pull together to name and go after that barn owl in the conifer. Mm. Because it will try to pick us off and destroy us. Mm. So those those are two pretty recent, like, helps that I've gotten from God in regards to the challenges of, this, of these times in my new role.
0: Uh. wow amazing um mary kate i yeah i i just feel like that just it feels like such a holy moment can i just have you pray for our pastors and leaders and people who are listening
1: i would love to do that our loving and most holy god Thank you for always watching over us. Every pastor, every church leader,
2: every person
1: who is earnestly following God, how you watch over us. And Lord, I pray for bounty in that of the spirit on each and every pastor and leader that might be listening to this podcast I pray for that Lord I pray that you would draw brothers and sisters together in Christ to support each other name the barn owl and the conifer to protect each other and pray for each other Lord to be strong in community for the sake of the church Mm. thank you Lord for these wonderful men and women who have given their lives in service to you I pray a Christmas blessing, and I pray for all the hope of a new year on each person and each church. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.